Dallas, my friend, how are you? I'm outstanding. How are you? Oh, dude, another day in paradise. Hey, before we, because I, I, I messed this up if we don't do this right away, on social, uh, where can people find you, your website, uh, some of the movies you've done, anything you want to talk about real quick, let's get, let's do some promotion love real quick, and then I'm going to do something else, but yeah. Yeah, sure. No, uh, on Instagram, uh, it's ATX Filmmaker Man. ATX Filmmaker Man. Uh, Facebook is just Dallas Burgess, uh, B-U-R-G-E-S-S. And uh, currently, you can find uh, examples of my work and our company's work at. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at Dream State Entertainment. So you go to YouTube, look up Dream State Entertainment, and you'll see uh, some, a trailer of our feature film that just got distribution and uh, some samples of some of our other stuff. Nice, so uh, your film got distribution. When, uh, when is it gonna come out? That is still yet to be determined. We are still working on deliverables for the uh, distribution company. So uh, with everything kind of moving to streaming, there's a high probability it'll go to a streaming service, but we just don't, don't fully know just yet. Nice, well, let me know. Um, I did a pre-screen of Mother's Little Helpers. Uh, which was supposed to come out from Gravis, Gra Gravitas Ventures. Is that it? I think that's how you pronounce it. Gravitas, uh, yeah. Gravitas, yeah. yeah. So they let me do it with uh, the producer, director, and writer. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so we did that one. I watched it first, and we did it together. It didn't give any secrets away, but just really just kind of talked about her and the film and making it, what it was like. And it was interesting because it was like a quarantine film before they knew there was going to be a quarantine. <laughs> right. Nice. Well, <laughs> foreshadowing. A little. Yeah, exactly. So let me see. I'm going to open, I'm going to warm up with ooh, a 1985 new Belgium IP. One of the things um, I had posted, what do you got there? I've got a, a starship from, uh, ooh. I did voodoo. 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 So good. So we're both got voodoo. I've got the 1985. You've got the starship. Nice. Very nice. Right. Cheers, my friend. Cheers to um, you. One of the things that we were doing as well, and I was gonna, I kind of did the reads at the beginning, but um, people kind of skip till they hear the song of my daughter saying, I pooped a big one. Then they hear the theme song, then they listen. So now they're gonna have to listen to this bullshit. Um, I try to pick two companies to, you know, local companies just to freely promote on the podcast, uh, just to give them a little love, especially during this time. I mean, there's nothing worse. I saw this email from a company and they reached out and they said, hey, we've got reader's attention. Like, no, like nothing you've ever seen before because of, the, because of uh, COVID. Right. And so our rates are this. And they sent out a new advertising rate sheet. Like take advantage of these mm -hmm. people. Who are, and, and I understand the business side, 
but the way it was worded and messaged was so dark. It was just so shitty. Right. It's, and companies are hurting. Like now right. is the time, are we all in this together? Are we? Then how come the news isn't being, I mean, the news is doing a really good job of highlighting small businesses, but papers, you know, I get they've got limited staff. I understand we're under quarantine. I get all that shit. At the right. same time, you can make an effort. You know, it's kind of like people are, restaurants going, man, this delivery thing is so hard. I'm like, people have done to go before. Don't use this as an excuse because you laid off your good workers because you panicked. Just it. <laughs> just be honest. So uh, my two shout outs today, one, um, because I love beer, uh, Independence Brewing, folks, go check them out. I love, even, I know I'm drinking an 85, but please, uh, I love Stash IPA. I love Amy and the crew there. Uh, I think beer and community and sitting around having a cold one with a friend, watching a movie, talking over a movie, whatever it may be, it's important. Uh, so, so there's one. And then two, because they got so much heat for it. Um, you know what? Torchy's Tacos. I like Torchy's. Uh, you know, Taco Tuesday on Cinco de Mayo. They were overwhelmed. They actually, but they had the balls like right away. They put out an apology letter on Instagram. They're like, hey man, we fucked up. We are so sorry. And there are still people complaining, going, you better give me my fucking money back. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey man, how many <laughs> wow. restaurants really apologize? Mm, so you know damn good tacos torchy's tacos go give them some love folks go give them some love if you're not you know we have all these people from (laughs) different parts of the world like russia that are like what the fuck is torchy's tacos (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) would you have a problem if i gave a shout out to somebody by all means give a shout out to anyone you want to 100 percent. i have no problem Uh, with that on the topic of beer and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna do a little a little advertising here Uh, please 12 Fox Beer Co. out of uh, Dripping Springs, right here and right outside of Austin, Texas, stayed open the whole time. Um, didn't close down, and uh, they're still under a year old. Their year anniversary is Memorial Day weekend. They uh, ended up teaming up with a lot of local, um, you know, uh, marketeers, grocers, bakers, all that kind of stuff throughout the community, and turned themselves into a beer company and grocery store, so they became essential. So they were able to find a way to stay alive and serve the community of Dripping Springs, uh, being able to serve a lot of people that maybe couldn't go to HEB or go to you know some of the grocery stores in the area because they either closed down, didn't have access to stuff. Uh, so they they worked with a lot of people with securing Wagyu beef and meat and just you know uh, a local baker who's now going to be baking on site for them, and uh, so much. You know, I, I got, I got, I got to, I got to give another little prop here. You know, we we hosted, we were going to host the first veterans event at South by Southwest. And yeah. Thirty four years that you know they've been around, they never had a, a veteran event, so uh, kind of frustrated me. So we were able to work with Media Tech Ventures uh, and my company, Dreamstate Entertainment, and, and organize you know something. And when South by got canceled, uh, you know, somebody connected us to uh, Twelve Fox and. They bailed us out. Uh, they had two wedding venues, uh, Vista West Ranch also, and then they, they had to close down, but they, they gave us their wedding venue and we were able to still hold the uh, Veterans Lounge. All the panels and speakers came in. We live streamed it. Uh, and that's also on our YouTube page at Dream Student Entertainment. You'll be able to see that for any veterans listening or watching. Um, lots of great information, a lot of good things that could help you guys out there. Um, and uh, we were still able to hold it because of them. And they're, they're a veteran-owned uh, company. Both of the 12 Fox is actually a, uh, 
a uh, MOS, a military occupation specialist, a designation for a combat engineer. And so the brewer and uh, co-owner both met in basic training and several years later decided, you know, let's just start a beer company. And I, I got to tell you, they're going to win awards. When the festivals get start me, coming back, they're going to win awards. Get me their info, please. I yeah, absolutely. I invite them on the podcast. We'll do a beer movie or, or any movie. Yes. I don't care. Yep. Two, I want to figure out how I can get my hands on their beer so that I can drink it on the podcast and, and promote it um, just like I do for independence. And I do for, um, and, and as I do for Austin beer works, um, you'll never go back. I mean, their, their beer is so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> their beer is so good. Yeah. Nice. That's, yeah. Dude, I love that. I mean, we did, I did a one with a hop squad. Nice. That's cool. And those guys are super nice. Uh, That's awesome. I mean, you talk about community. They, they've got it. I mean, it's an, all, it's an outdoor space. So it's like, say, people are like, concerned about anything. You know, it's an outdoor space. It's safe. It's open air. Um, you know, and they, they, they have big picnic tables set out all safe. I'll drive out there. I'll drive it's out amazing. there and I'll, I'll go introduce myself um, and hang out. And once again, I'll do a podcast with them as many times as they want to help them out. Uh, Absolutely. Big space in my heart for veterans. Uh, bigger space in my heart for startups and because my second job out of college was working for a beer company I have a real big space in my heart for beer <laughs> well who doesn't right <laughs> who doesn't, right? <laughs> there's that you know there are those people so hey so today we're uh, we're talking over um indiana jones you know i'm just gonna get planning here with like five seconds in um as this goes we're just gonna have a conversation we'll pick key moments from the film as they're popping up and you know laugh yeah. and talk and whatever but um you know, so you picked this movie. Uh, this was one of the one of the ones that you picked out. What what draws you to uh, to Indiana Jones? Adventure. First adventure. Of adventure. You know, I, I dude. So growing up in the eighties, you know, being an eighties kid, uh, you know, the, first off, let's recognize how many badass films came out of the eighties. Dude, I mean, you know, I I'm blown away. Iron Eagle, Top Gun, <laughs> Blue right. Thunder. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, you know, the action films that came out of the 80s. Right. And Goonies, uh, the adventure Goonies, Goonies uh, all of the Indiana Jones, uh, yep. you know, and you have Star Wars, you know, some of the most influential movies, you know, came out of the 80s so much that they keep trying to redo all of it and, and failing because they can't capture that same magic that they had in the 80s. Um, and that comes down to character you know, character and story. And that's one thing that Indiana Jones, that's why Indiana Jones still worked. And specifically we're talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm -hmm. um, you know, which kind of started it all off. And, you know, the thing about Raiders is, you know, you have this, it made archeology span cool. It made it interesting. It made it, you know, exciting. And, it, you know, as a kid, you know, it, it influenced me and, and really got me interested in, you know, archeology. span and history and all that kind of stuff and so i had a profound influence on that because that, that's dictated a lot of my life so much that you know I, after you know uh 9-11 joined the army and, and, and went on my own adventures you know uh and now as a filmmaker you know creating adventures you know uh it, it affected me in such a way that my, my partner john and i you know we're we're crafting a story you know right now that's very action adventure it's 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 a new indiana jones you know for a modern era Nice. I mean, dude, romancing the stone. You yeah, know, it was like yeah. the funny version of Indiana yeah. Jones. Even though Indiana yeah. Jones was very funny. Right. Um, what you know, I've had, I've had a lot of friends who have who have served, and first and foremost, thank you for for your service. I, I don't take it lightly uh, in any way. What um, after nine eleven, joining, uh, what 
you called it an adventure, but what was that like going from, to give us a little glimpse into who you were before and then what happened that created that impetus? And then if you can say where you were deployed or, or how that yeah, worked. Yeah. yeah, well, okay, so I, I was a music education major actually uh, prior. I mean, I was, I was in music, I was, marched in a competitive drum and bugle corps and, and you know, I was on a totally different path to becoming a high school band director. Um, and music was my thing. And I went to college a year at University of North Alabama. I went, went down to Auburn University for a couple of years, War Eagle. Um, and uh, while there, <laughs> while there, uh, we, um, you know, 9-11 happened. And, you know, just the, the, the way the whole day unfolded and then the, the following few days, um, you know, I, I was sitting and watching it on the news and, yeah, this this is gonna sound, you know, like, oh, but yeah, it's it's really what what, what I was thinking in, in those moments. You know, I, I told I was I was like, man, I'm tired of watching this on the news. Uh, I, 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 you know, instead of watching history, I want to go be a part of it. You know, and that's, you know, it was just kind of a calling, I guess. Um, and I, uh, you know, I went to the recruiter, and they they, uh, he was trying to talk me into doing the army band. You get promoted faster, you know, you probably won't deploy to combat zones except to perform. And I was like, man, you know, I've, I've reached the pinnacle of my music career. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's not my idea of, of being in the army. No, no offense to those that are, because that's their thing. And that's fine. You know, I, yeah. I would never judge anybody for, for selecting a job. That's just, wasn't my calling. Um, and so that's, that's what it, and, uh, you know, went, uh, infantry school and then went to airborne school, became a paratrooper, went to 501st airborne, uh, spent three years with them, spent a tour in Afghanistan with them in 0304, uh, early in the war and, uh, transitioned after that into the uh, Georgia army national guard, became a recruiter for three years, which was horrible. Um, and volunteered to, to deploy again because I wanted to get out of recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, went back to Afghanistan uh, five years later, after my first time uh, with the 121st Infantry uh, as a fire direction control chief, mortarman. And um, yeah, and did 10 years, got out as an E6 staff sergeant. And uh, then I uh, went on a whole different adventure and uh, became a private security contractor in northern Iraq and uh, worked for people yeah. uh, over there. So and did that for five and a half years. Uh, I was two, three months gone, two months home, two, three months gone, did that on and off back and forth for five and a half years. And during that time, I kind of fell into film. And, uh, you know, I was, oh, cause it, you know, like I said, I started out in, in music and creativity, but had always had that creative drive and uh, you know, I just didn't know where to put it. Mm-hmm. And it definitely wasn't going back to music because I was too far gone to go back into that. Um, Plus, if you know, high school band directors are mostly, you know, band parent managers over actual <laughs> high school band directors. Yeah. So um, I, it wasn't the lifestyle I wanted. Uh, but, you know, I fell into film kind of kind of accidentally and, and found found my place in it. Uh, after a couple of years being a unit production manager, a couple of short films here in Austin, I uh, decided to kind of do my own thing, directed a couple of my own short films, and we helped start a company with a group of great people, uh, started Dream State Entertainment, and uh, ended up meeting a, through a mutual friend in Iraq, ironically enough, uh, you know, also an Air Force vet, you know, great writer. Uh, we paired up and we just got along really well, communicated really well. We're both great storytellers, but you put us two together and it's, you know, we, 
we, we crank stories out like you wouldn't believe. Um, and we, we ended up writing a couple of scripts together. And one of them we did, was, which is my uh, directorial debut, which was a grindhouse style thriller, which is what has distribution now. Um, but, and uh, we're, we're currently working on the next one, uh, which is in development. And we already have three other scripts written and just ready to go. I mean, we're, we don't waste time, we love stories. And we're influenced by, you know, what we're gonna be talking about today. You know, that's by the heavy influence. How do you, you know, the, the story thing, I think it's interesting, right? Because uh, all the, and I'd love your take on this because I see all these movies that come out and there seems like, a, you know, five new movies every day come out. And if five new movies come out a day and it's 150 movies coming out a month, let's say on average, maybe mm -hmm. one's good. One really okay. grabs you. One's got a, and as a filmmaker, as someone who, who makes and enjoys writing and, and enjoys the, you know, I'm, I'm sh you know, the, the music of it, building the emotion. Does you, you scratch your head sometimes and go, how did these guys get money? Like, are they, is it, is, is part of, I'm, I'm, I guess what the question I'm asking is, is part of filmmaking the passion of just loving film and doing it? And then is the other part, and there's those people who maybe aren't that good, but they're really good salespeople and they just kind of like movies. Right. Yeah. See, here's the thing. You, you said, this is my son, Travis. He's begging to say hi. Hi, so. Travis. <laughs> I don't, I go back. Okay. Um, no, but yeah, no, so sure. the, uh, sometimes, you know, it's like all the time. It's constant. I constantly question myself. Yeah. And, you know, because I'm like, how, how did you get $80 million? How did you get a hundred million dollars? How did you? Cats. Oh, don't even get And but it's just like I'm, I'm. I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, you know, I I want to just to just be given a chance. And you kind of have to make your own, you know. And that's what we're doing because you know, the studio system has its has its big boy club over there, right? And they're sure. they're not gonna let anybody in. But you know, so, and we know that we're not we're not pretending that that's that's not a thing. But it is at the end of the day, now more money driven than anything else. It's not about character. It's not about story. It's about, you know, how can we make millions of dollars? How can we take advantage of a pre-existing franchise and beat it to death and, and take advantage of a fan base that's loyal to it? It'll come out, see it opening weekend. We'll make all our money back in this some opening weekend. Everyone's going to hate it, but who cares? You know, they all came out opening weekend. and saw it. That's all that matters. Um, and when when you when you look at movies like what Christopher Nolan put out and Spielberg still puts out uh, Abrams, you know, they put character and story first. They they don't sacrifice them. They still make money. They still make tons of money because you know they've been they've been they've proven themselves and been given the autonomy to create. Uh, whereas a lot of other and yeah, we're gonna have this director come in and direct this action. Effort. We're gonna have the producers and the studio control every aspect of it to where it's just gonna be another formulaic thing that just gets pumped out like a factory. And that's, you know, that, that, that's, the, that's frustrating as an independent filmmaker, you know, because we see this and we're like, at the end of the day, that's not sustainable. When you spend a hundred million dollars plus on a film that, that hardly grosses anything, and, but you somehow think it is because you're using algorithms and, and financial projections over, you know, they're, they're so risk averse into original content and new ideas Whereas Netflix, 
is taking those risks and take and, and, and opening up new ideas and they're successful. They're blowing them out of the water. There's, there's proof that people want original material. Yeah. You know? That's the crazy thing to me is that I think about all the movies that I love, 99% of them are original. Right. They're just yeah. original. I mean, hustle and flow, you know, uh, it's, you look at all these independent films that make hundreds of millions of dollars that cost 10, 20 million to make. Yeah, and, and, I, and we're watching, you know, the scene of Indiana Jones where he's escaping, right? And then the people are coming after him. It's, you know, the, and, the, and the bad guy gets the golden idol. Mm-hmm. And I see the bad guy's golden idol as like the Hollywood algorithm. Yeah, you got it, but you don't have the story behind why you got it. Yeah. And sometimes the greatest part of the adventure is the story that got you there. Yeah. Right? And it, it is the happenstance. Like, it's, it's not even like... <laughs> Who cares about like, you know, at the end of the day, these films, you know, are okay, you know, I, I'll say this, people, there's somebody that said, uh, told me once, as, as, everyone loves Raiders of the Lost Ark, but, you know, somebody's like, yeah, but everything still happened with or without Indiana Jones. I'm like, nah, but you're missing the point, because that was the journey, and at the end of the film, when he makes a decision to destroy it, or to just see it through, that's a hero decision. Yeah. So, you know, that, that did actually influence the outcome because he could have ended it right there, but he didn't. He made a choice to see it through, to see because he couldn't resist. There was this impulse and he just couldn't, you know. So that, that's a character, right? It's a character yeah. moment. It's, 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 not, uh, it's not about uh, this, this big thing. There's, there's so much nuance. And that's the nuance is what actually makes these movies work, you know, and, and, and the characters that actually provide that nuance within the story. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it blows my mind. It really does because the winners are the winners for a reason. And right. it's, it's, it always blows my mind when they're like, I can't believe how well this movie's doing. You know, and you see them on Good Morning America or whatever it is. And like, and like I can't believe how good this movie's doing. And I'm just like, did you guys watch is it? it? Is it doing well? No, <laughs> and, 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 those, and those are all like, <laughs> all news is, is scripted. I mean, it's, you know, we got to talk about this and this and this. We're just doing so well. No, you're just filling space. I mean, it's all you're doing. And it's not doing that well. And it's, you didn't even watch it. And it's, at the end of the day, most of it's garbage. It is. It's crazy. It absolutely is. It, I mean, this movie, it's, it's a fun thing to go back and watch these 80s movies because they still have life. You know, they, they mm-hmm. still... Um, they still stand up. They still stand up. And like you said, because of the characters. The, uh, the other day I did a Stand By Me with someone and we talked over Stand By Me. And I mean, to this day, that movie, mm-hmm. those kids, like this movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Stand By Me influenced me so much as a child because right. I moved around a lot as a kid. So I didn't, I understood Stand By Me because at the end of their adventure, they went their separate ways. And you mm-hmm. have fond memories of those people, but they went their separate ways. And that was right. my life growing up all the time. It was, right. it's been my life up, up until 45, right? Of always moving, always finding another job in another city to go do another adventure and find four new people to go do crazy shit with. And then you know what, I'm going to go to Denver now. I'm going to go to Chicago now. I'm going to go to New right. York now. And Raiders was the journey part, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, Stand By Me was the slow part right? Uh, or the, the fast pieces. And Raiders was the long piece of just, can you stay committed? Can you yep. run this course? No matter yep. what happens. Right. Right. And you never give up and you never stop. You keep exactly. pushing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's fun, man. It's interesting, but it's, uh, it's also, you know, I mean, 
and they were really pivotal, pivotal in, um, in this and, uh, and in who I was as a young man trying to find and enjoy things. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I, you know, and I, I had a couple of moments in Afghanistan, you know, we, uh, we occupied, uh, one of our, our fobs was a, uh, an old castle from Alexander the Great, you know, who what? had built it there. Yeah. And in Gardez, yeah. And, Fog Lightning and Fog Gardez, you know, they, they, they were around some of Alexander the Great's castles that are just sitting there and it's still intact, you know, um, and it's just like, looking at it, it's kind of my Indiana Jones moment, it's like, man, what I wouldn't give to go up inside that castle <laughs> and just start digging around, you know, like. Um, now, could you as a filmmaker go back there and shoot a movie there? Or is it too dangerous? Uh, it's too dangerous. Uh, the insurance companies would probably be like, yeah, no, that's, that's, we're, like, not, we're not insuring that. <laughs> only, only if Tom Cruise says he's going to run through it half buck naked. Exactly. I wouldn't have a problem with it, but I know how to ha handle there. You know, I, I know how to hang there. So, you know, but no, no insurance company would ever approve of that. But I, I respect that. That's, yeah, that's, it's a, uh, what is that like when you're creating a movie, you're writing a script? action adventure, anything going on. Do you think about insurance companies and what you can get away with? So for me, uh, a lot of directors just, or writer-directors combos, you know, just huh? write to the story. They just write to the story, period. They don't worry about any of that stuff. I try to do that. I try to just write story <laughs> first. But then like the military logistical side of me, which is which translates to the producer side of me, sure. is like, okay, cool, but let's scale it down a bit because you're probably never going to get insurance for this part or that part. Uh, let's, let's think about how we can cheat this because that's not going to happen. Um, you know, see, which is actually a good thing because if I'm directing what I write, you know, then it, 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 it keeps me honest and realistic, you know, where I, but, but it also challenges me to think outside the box is how can I make this work and still look cool and accomplish what I want it to accomplish you know, knowing that I'm not going to be able to take it to the actual level that I want. So, you know, it, it, it challenges you to think outside the box because where the studio is like, ah, we'll just throw fucking million dollars at it and you know, throw it in green screen behind you or, you know, CGI, it'll be great. If I go, we got it. Eh, you just lose all the organic thing. Somebody said that, um, you know, the problem with so Dr. Doolittle with uh, Robert Downey Jr. did so bad. And you could, you could just watch the trailer and know that it was going to be fucking awful. Yeah. Is that Robert Downey Jr.'s fault? No, he just, doing his thing he's an actor he's getting paid you know well, listen he's got he's got a car payment right i mean he's got yeah. a and that's <laughs> right, his exactly. job that's his job but but when you look at the filmmakers you know somebody's like well why what why did it do so bad and the best answer i saw was because it had a hundred million dollars that's why it did so bad because it had so much money that nobody said no do you and think there's a tipping point there where it's just too much money ruins a movie? Yes, no, 100%. Like, think about all these big blockbuster films because you don't, you, you don't think within your means, you know? Like in the, in the infantry, uh, uh, improvise, adapt, and overcome. You yeah. know, you figure things out, you make things work. You know, I, I, I'm apparently not allowed to talk about my budgets anymore because, you know, I had a producer friend that recently was like, don't tell me don't tell people what you did this for because I'll take advantage of you. Because we do a lot with little to nothing. Uh, just because we think outside the box, we challenge ourselves to be like, you know, I know we're going to make this happen. We're going to figure this out. 
Uh, and you know, one example you'll be able to watch on our YouTube channel uh, is called The Journey, which was a, a piece that I, you know, being a former operator, I was able to work with, you know, and bring in some of my operator friends uh, and one citizen actor and my partner's in it as well. And uh, it is um, uh, pretty much the first half of it is an operation, you know, it's a traditional extraction operation. And uh, the second half, however, is really what catches people off guard because it's, it's the coming home part and how do you deal with that, you know, after coming home from this high-speed operation where you're just turned on and then you get home and then what now? Uh, yeah. And so anyway, so we did that. It's 11 and a half minutes. It's a short film, and, but we did it for South by and uh, for the Veterans Lounge. We still screened it at the event that I mentioned earlier. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to say how much we did or didn't have because but it, it looks like we had a lot. I'll just put it that way. It looks like we had a lot. Uh, and we, we, we just made things happen. And that I think when you, okay, I'll use Jaws as an example for I talk about classic films. You know, so many problems with the production of that movie. So many problems. Chief among them was that the shark wasn't working. The shark was not working right. It kept messing up because you couldn't do it. So like, well, what do we do? Well, let's just not show the shark because it's not working right. So, so they, they just decided to just not show the shark until the very end because that was the only time they could get it to work the way they needed it to work. And what did that do? That created magic because for the whole movie, you don't see the shark. For the whole movie, you're on, this, you're on the edge of your seat in suspense because you don't see what's happening. You don't see the antagonist. You, know, you don't see the monster. And I thought that was brilliant because I'm like, you turned an accident into one of the most iconic moments in the film. Because if you had seen the shark early on, would, you, would, you, would it have had the same effect? You know, so whenever you're challenged and you're forced to think outside the box, you're forced to come up with solutions to problems, oftentimes that's where the magic happens, you know? Sure. I mean, I look at Deadpool uh, as a modern prime example of they didn't have a lot of money. Right. Even Ryan Reynolds running it, they didn't have exactly. money, like $15 million budget for the first film. Right. And you think about what they did and then how he threw it in their face. Yep. And then you look at the second one, they gave him a bigger budget and it wasn't as good. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, uh, I mean, there, 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 there's, there you go. There's a case in point. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you bring up Jaws. Um, one, one thing I, I wanted to bring up uh, off subject of movies, but you know, I, I love to dive into the waters of poking the bear a little bit and kind of being a, not, yeah. I want people to think differently, right? I'm always yeah, trying absolutely. to get people to just shift their focus a little bit. And uh, one of the things that I I put on Facebook, and I have like 150 comments on this. And I'm just like, you guys, you're not getting it. And they just show they weren't getting it because they didn't want to think that way. Right. But I said, with all, we stopped the world for COVID-19. We literally stopped the world, mm -hmm. right? And I said, we stopped America. We stopped the world. I said, but how, um, when this is done, how are we going to talk to veterans, suicide victims, uh, people who are struggling with it, you know, or the families that have watched their, you know, when we, when we ignore mental health, when we ignore our veterans to some capacity, we don't treat them the way we should. You know, we haven't stopped anything for them ever. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, how do you, how do you, how, what, what was the emotional trigger that led us as a globe stop for this? But as a country, we won't stop for that. Like, I'm just curious. Right. 
And everyone threw numbers. Everyone had, well, there's this and this. And, you know, and I said, no, 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 you're not getting it. What's the social trigger? What's the emotion? Because what I don't understand and I'll never understand is how we will look at some things and accept them as tragic as they are. War, suicide, veterans health. Right. We'll just, we'll be like, well, that's a bummer, but boy, man, I'll tell you what, I hope my taxes don't go up. You want my simple answer to that? Yes, I do. The Joker in The Dark Knight said it perfectly when he is talking to Harvey Dent, when he's on the bed there, uh, and he's, he's wanting nothing more than to kill the Joker. Mm-hmm. The Joker says, you know, if I say that I'm gonna blow up a truck full of soldiers, nobody panics, you know, because it's all part of the plan, you know, but if I say that, I, you know, but, but I, I threaten one mayor and everyone loses their mind, you know, and it, it's one of those things that, you know, it, p- people in America, and I am going to call America out here, you know, I feel like I've earned the right to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people in America love their comfort zone. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I did what I did so that way they could. However, it's now become almost toxic to the point where you, once you take somebody out of their comfort zone, once it actually affects them, everyone loses their mind. Yeah. And what do we have now that we didn't have as prevalent during Ebola, H1N1, you know, SARS, all these other ones, what do we not have as influential that we do now? Social media. Mm-hmm. Everyone panics on social media. One per- I, you know, the, the, uh, this one thing, uh, don't know if you remember it or not, I, only remember it because it was it just it made me want to hang myself but it was is the dress blue and white oh, or oh, is yeah, it blue, black and blue gold and or black whatever the yeah. fuck it was and it made like morning news and all that kind of stuff i'm like all the world problems all the problems this country has and that's that's what we're focused on that's what we're doing and then reality tv just kicks in and takes everyone's you know minds off of the realities of the world and nothing affects them, right? And, you know, uh, but now with uh, social media and, and politics and everything just creating this massive division, you know, Sun Tzu's art of war, primary rule of war is divide and conquer, right? Yeah. And, uh, well, look at us, you know, we've had nothing but division for the past, you know, five, 10 years, whatever, and it's only gotten worse. So now it's, you know, pe- people feel I feel like Americans in general look at everything like sports. You have to pick a side. You got to pick a team. And if you don't pick a team, you don't pick a side, then you're a problem, you know, and you know, it, it, there's no middle ground. There's no, let's come together. Let's figure this thing out. It's always one or the other. It has to be way over here or way over there. Whereas a lot of people do exist in this area and they just, you know what, I'm done. I don't even want to deal with it anymore. And the, the problem is, is whenever you're able to create a panic, you know, and you, you have social media to expound on that panic, you have what we have now yeah. um, because it's affecting people directly. And, you know, uh, and, and I, I do not mean this in a, in a, in a ha ha told you so kind of way, but I will say that one number that I'm curious about seeing after this is all said and done are the suicide numbers among civilians. 
they've gone up. And I, and I can tell you that as a fact. I know pastors, quite a few. They don't like to know me all the time. <laughs> like, I'm the guy who went to Bible college, became a pastoral ministries major, and then drinks and cusses and has a podcast, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm that guy. Uh, but I mean, I talked to my pastor the other day, my buddy Scott, right. he, uh, Thrive Church here in Austin. And I said, you know, I'll, I'll never go to church again. And he said, why? And I said, because you will send people with Bibles across the world, knowing that they could die owning that Bible. And you've done right. it religiously since the jump <clears throat> and not cared. You've been like, that's, that's your duty. That's what you do. But in America, the flu comes through and you stop meeting. Right. And it's not about whether God saves the pastor, whether the pastor dies of COVID. The pastor could have died of cancer too. Does everyone say, well, now church doesn't exist because the pastor had of cancer or COVID? Right. No, it's not. It's not about that. It's about the fact that you just didn't do your job. Right. And I know that he has, you know, he rents out a school gym and there are some extenuating circumstances, but in general, as church goes, I, right. was, I was livid because they just folded. They're like, yeah, man, we'll just go on Zoom. I go, remember, you, you showed a video in church of someone attending church through VR and you made fun of it. Right. I said, how embarrassed are you? I'm just curious. Right. I'm real right. mad about it. Yep. And, I, and I get fired up about it because I'm with you. There's a point of disconnect, right. of comfort. And social media is one. Uh, my friend, Lori Siegel, dot, dot media. She interviewed this guy, and I forget his name, but he said, the greatest threat to our national security is social media. Because social media, are, there's bots. And in fact, there's apps you can download on your phone so you can have a friend that's a bot. You know, that bot will talk to you every day. It'll offer you up music. You know, it, it, it tells you how good you are in the morning and all this stuff. Right. Because it takes one state agent and you could have global depression. Yep. Global depression. And, you know, as I said, the, the suicide part, I was talking to him and to a couple of pastors and they're like, oh, yeah. We're seeing maybe one, we used to see one suicide every week, and now we're seeing one every day. Wow. See, and that's, and that's, that's the number that I'm, that's probably down the road in the long term going to dwarf, you know, these COVID numbers, which, you know, if we're being honest, aren't, you know, are, are, aren't as accurate as, as they're reported, you know. Uh, they but, admit they're not accurate. They, yeah, they came out, they're just exactly. like, if you die of a heart attack, but you had COVID, we're marking you as a COVID death. Right. Oh, it's money involved, you know, and, yeah. and, and that, that, that can't be ignored. But the problem is, is people don't want to ask questions. They don't want to challenge the system or the status quo. Well, shit, um, if you do, you get murdered. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong, you know. And the thing is, like, you know, uh, you know, FG didn't kill himself. But, you know, beyond that, you know, the... Yeah, I, 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 I got you. I'm with you. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I don't call it social distancing anymore. I call it social engineering because, you know, at the end of this, what are we going to do? Are we, are we going to be are we creating a yet another form of racism? You know, another form of, uh, of, of you know, isolating certain people against these people and all that kind of stuff. We just we. Have we not had enough of that as a country, you know, over the 200 plus years we've been around? Like, when does it become enough, you know? And 
we always find a new way to divide people. And I am just tired of it, you know, um, and, and I, yeah, I'm just tired of it. And this, you know, we're gonna start taking our films overseas and start doing stuff over there. Cause I, I just, we just don't want much to do with, with things here. It's tough, man. I mean, I look at, I look at what's happening, you know, I mean, and even the division here, state by state, you know, Tesla coming to Texas, they're like, we're out of California. Fuck you, California. Right. You're not going to let us work. We're going to go to Texas and Texas is like, yeah, that's great. You know, but it, it reminds me of, and here's the scene, right? You've got Indy's girlfriend. She's at the bar. The guy's coming in. He's got the hot poker. He's going to take, if she doesn't tell the truth. And, and that's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. if you want to question what's happening in the world. If yeah. you want to say, hey, I, just, I got a question. They're like, you fucking moron, listen to Fauci. And I'm like, yeah, oh, right. oh, hold yeah. on. No, no, I have a question. And I believe after living on this planet for 45 years, you know, I can ask a question. I can put something out that says, why are we trusting a Bill Gates who doesn't have a medical degree? And right. why, are we, why are we censoring doctors on YouTube because they don't agree with Fauci? Right. Why is that a bad thing to question? I thought, I mean, the beauty of this country, the beauty of a great story, the beauty of a great movie isn't one direction, just straight across. There's questions, there's challenges. Right. And the people that win didn't win because they had the most stuff. They won not because they persevered, but they won because they had the right information. Right. And they, and they questioned that information even internally, right? I mean, isn't that part of a great story is when the hero questions himself or herself? Right. Well, that's the mark of also of a good antagonist because you know, if, you can, if you can find yourself aligning with a bad guy, you know, because maybe the bad guy's cause is actually, you know, pretty good, but his methods might not be, you know, the Joker, for example. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the Joker is a perfect example of that. You know, when you look at him, you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> not wrong. You know, like, and in and, and Black Panther, you know, the uh, uh, whatever his name was, you know, good ideas, just bad execution. Yep. You know, but he was a conflicted antagonist and that is something that, that marks an even better character when your antagonist can overshadow the protagonist you know and become more interesting you've got yourself a really good film and that's why the dark knight did so well that's why black panther did so well i mean you know uh, because those are characters those are real people they, they they give these people these characters rather people traits people, things that we can align with and we can kind of resonate with um and you know uh, I feel like, you know, in, in using metaphors here that, you know, the big studio system is like big government, you know, it's like, you know, let's, let's just, let's just throw money at it and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. And it breaks my heart because, you know, it's, I was telling someone uh, the other day, I go, you know, I think what people are forgetting is the, the, it's, it's a communication theme. It's called fantasy theme analysis. And it's not fantasies like rainbows and unicorns. Right it's the bridge of where we're at and that that unique bridge that thing of where we're at is we forget that this is a country that was rhetorically been told we've been told growing up our whole lives you can do it you can do anything if you work hard enough you can do anything uh don't let anyone tell you no keep pushing 
you've got this. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You know what entrepreneurs do? They work hard. You know why they work hard? Because they do this. Doom, 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 doom. You, but everything was you can do it. And for the first time that I've ever seen in this country, we had a moment where they said, don't do anything. And right. it's so contrary to the culture and the, uh, the rhetorical design of who we are as a nation that it, um, that no wonder there's pushback. No wonder people in Michigan are freaking out. No wonder right. people are upset. It has nothing to do with them wanting to throw authority, you know, right. anger at authority. But it's just, it's the polar opposite of who they've been their whole lives. Right. Well, and the thing is, and there's also, there's also a lot of misnomers with that idea, right? It's this idealism. It's just the, the American dream, you know, like, well, what is that? You know, and, 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 society would have you believe that the American dream is nine to five, white picket fence, two and a half kids, dog and a cat, you know, um, and, you know, essentially indentured servitude, Um, you know, whether, whereas, you know, what I see as the American dream is the true entrepreneurial spirit of making things happen, you know, in spite of people to tell you you can't or in spite of people saying that's a bad idea why would you do that in spite of people saying you know you're never going to succeed you know it's a fool's errand you know and 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 it's like yeah you know what you're just giving me more freaking fire now you know and now I'm more motivated to shove this in your face and succeed and that's the American dream right yeah. you know that's how we that's how we started you know that's exactly how we started that's that's, that's why we even exist as a country you know because we did that back that very thing you know so we said no I'm not going to listen to you. You know, I'm going to do what is best for myself, for my dream, for my family, for the people around me. Uh, and that's just going to happen. And there's nothing you're going to do about it. Um, which, and, and you did that with, I mean, you know, we kicked off, you were part of it, Rally Austin. And I want you to tell the people about that, what you did with the veterans. The first thing, the first time South by has ever, well, South by didn't actually, you did. They didn't, but you know, Media Tech Ventures did, and you yep. worked with them, and you spearheaded uh, this this veterans movement. Uh, tell people about that, please, because I think that's very important. Uh, you know, in in a time when everything was shutting down, Johnny Z and I I got on a call because I had a call from KVU, I think, and they said, "Hey, we want to talk to you about your event because South by has been shut down, and what do you think about it?" And my my thing was, it's inconsequential to me. And the only reason it's inconsequential is because I'm not a South by event anyway, so I don't care. Right. And two, whatever rules they give, I will make sure that the staff at Dive Bar was safe. I will make sure that my speakers are safe. And if we have to, and which remember we talked that Saturday morning, we'll just move it all digital and we'll put everything digital. And we did 12 or 15 interviews that were up on deep media um, of interviewing all the speakers that were going to be there, hour, hour and a half conversations, letting them highlight their companies, who they were, and have a conversation. And was it 15 hours of seminars? No. Can people enjoy them anytime or any way they want to? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But then you took it a step further and you you hinted a little bit with 12 Fox, but please tell people about, you know, with uh, media tech, what you guys did in the face of COVID and when everyone else, and as I've talked about ad nauseum, the big players just took their ball and went home. They wouldn't cross the street. And now they're helping on, now they're helping. Now that it's cool to help right Right. now, they're like, Oh yeah, well, Hey, Hey, you know what? Microsoft's got this cool tool. Zoom's got this cool. tool. It's like, stop, stop. You guys weren't there when the shit hit the fan. You were too busy covering. And the thing is like, you know, right. 
Right. Well, and with us, you know, we, we, we had to pivot. We had to improvise, <laughs> adapt, and overcome. And it is what we do. And, you know, uh, this, this wonderful group, you know, there's another plug here because these guys are awesome. Uh, Platinum TDM, an event production company out of Columbus, Ohio. They were going to be at South by for the uh, Columbus activation. And they were going to run, you know, uh, a lot of the uh, event production and streaming uh, to the funded house uh, at South by. And, you know, we, uh, we talked for a little bit, you know, before the cancellation, you know, we, I was organizing and getting things, you know, structured with them because Dream State was running production capture, you know, for, uh, for Funded House. And, uh, you know, they, you know, uh, the guys over there, Jacob, Ramey, and uh, he was like, hey, we're going to keep, we're going to plan on coming until you tell us not to. And, <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, gotcha, you know, keep coming then because, uh, you know, and we're going to make it happen no matter what, you know, and uh, thank God for 12 Fox and, and Joe and Stacy uh, because what we did and the reason it was so important, the reason we didn't want to just roll over and give up is because it, it's not, it's twofold. The, the message of Veterans Lounge and what we were doing within Veterans Lounge was too important not to, to hear and not to, to, to um, be captured, but it was also important to show honestly, the world, because we were the only event that actually happened in the world uh, during that whole thing, that we won't just give up. You know, we will find ways to make things work, find things to make, make it happen. And, you know, with, um, with what we did, you know, we, we, it, starting out, we, we wanted to bring in Orion Talent, which is a, uh, uh, a company that actually hires veterans, they help veterans find jobs, they help coach veterans into to, you know, existing in the civilian world because that's one thing that we just don't understand that well. Um, you know, once we've been in and, you know, instead of, instead of uh, having the veteran be upset at or blame uh, the um, civilian, it's take accountability and it's on us to have the civilian understand what we're capable of and what we bring to the table. And find and learn how to translate that in a way that they would understand, because they don't understand our world. That's not their place to. So you know, how can we expect them to to know what we bring? So anyway, that's what Orion Talent's done for thirty plus years. Uh, so we had Steve Casey and Tony Etnier come in and uh, you know just kind of have a conversation about what they do and why and the experiences they've had. And we actually brought on a veteran. They sat down and had a mock interview with him uh, to kind of walk him through kind of the process. You can get kind of an interactive, uh, you know vision on how that works next was uh, veterans and entrepreneurship you know we wanted to highlight veterans who are entrepreneurs and and, and you know uh, paul o'brien hosted that one um yep. and it was a great panel uh, a lot in in joe ho owner of 12 fox beer in vista west went on there you know, <laughs> he, which was awesome you know and he get a 12 fox get it boy yep, Come yep. On yeah, they were they were on it man um and uh that they were they were all able to kind of speak to the challenges of, of entrepreneurship, but also the tenacity that the veterans have in in seeing it through um, and adapting constantly. Because you know, as an entrepreneur, if you don't know how to adapt as an entrepreneur, you're dead before you even start. Yeah. Um, because that is just the name of the game. Um, and just like in filmmaking, you know, entrepreneurship, I feel is you know, ninety nine percent of filmmaking is problem solving. Uh, it's entrepreneurship. Um, and, and, and you just have to be a good problem solver, but you also have to surround yourself, uh, with people that are the same, uh, but also highlight your weaknesses and you need to know what those weaknesses are. So this panel is able to speak to that. 
Uh, and after that, we were able to go into veterans and entertainment. You know, uh, I was on that when Glenn Banton <clears throat> hosted it. And, uh, you know, just we were able to just kind of speak to our uh, our place in the entertainment industry and kind of, you know, where we're at, how we got there and, you know, what we want to see happen in the future. And uh, and then after that was uh, an innovative immersion uh, conversation between myself and uh, um, uh, Name just escaped me. Um, I don't know why it's so awful. Sorry, uh, but it was it, the point was he was a, a former army physical therapist, and you know he took his uh, abilities and actually uh, used innovative entertainment, VR, you know, all these different things, and applied it to veteran healing. So we were able to explore, you know, what that looks like using technology aside. From just medicating you know veterans and actually utilizing that both physical and mental injuries um and help help heal uh and then after that we you know had a little uh round we called a round robin podcast where we kind of like talked to four different you know i talked to four different veterans just a quick 10 minute round robin just you know a little bit about them let them plug what they needed to plug and just kind of like what do you hope to see in the veterans lounge in the future and after that, we did a, a screening of the journey and had a uh, kind of a discussion with cast and crew afterwards and then drank beer, um, <laughs> which was awesome. Which is awesome. Uh, which is awesome. Uh, but what that resulted in is a lot of attention and people wanting to have a veterans lounge in their own areas as well. Um, so Columbus, Ohio is going to have a veterans lounge. We're going to do a virtual one uh, soon. And uh, then we're also going to have a physical one once things are you know, opened up and safe. Um, and then so after talk to me about this virtual veterans lounge, because, um, I can tell you, I have a, 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 um, sorry folks. I know people hate this. I will say it. My good friend, uh, Vanessa Marceau, you would know her as the, one of the lead actresses in the show, Las Vegas. She was the hostess, a little, nice. uh, Hispanic woman. Yes. <laughs> uh, she's a very good thing. She's, that's where I stay. When I go to LA, I stay in her second home on top of Mulholland drive. <laughs> Mm, rough life. <laughs> her husband. Her husband is an army veteran. Nice. And uh, works in law enforcement, and is you know risking his life every day. He's a he's yep. a motorcycle cop. He's chips. Mm, even worse. Yeah. I mean, worse than it is, it's harder. Yeah. It's... Yeah. But he's a veteran, and this awesome. is something that I know she would get behind with him. Right. So if you want to do it in L.A., I've got. You know, because LA needs that one thing, right? LA right. is looking for the cachet of whomever that may be. Right. Well, that's well, her and her are, husband. And that, that's actually another one of the cities that's uh, on the list. So we have uh, Columbus. Well, I, got, I got introductions for you, brother. Perfect. We'll make yeah. it happen. And we can do the first one at one of her homes. Right. We can, uh, we can make it magical. Don't you worry. Awesome. We will make that happen 1,000%. Hell yeah. And VME is there, Veterans Media and Entertainment. You know, yep. so there's... There's a lot of good stuff there. And then what we want to do is uh, there's uh, Columbus, LA and San Antonio and now Austin. But what we're going to do is when we're able to hold uh, physical lounges in those play in those cities, uh, that's also going to be an origin point for what we're going to call the operators rally, you know, where we want operators from each of those three locations, get on, get in their trucks, souped up, Jeeps, bikes, whatever, and all rally in. From those points converging into Austin during South by for what's going to be now called the Veterans Summit. I love it. And I'll tell you, they're both ride bikes. Uh, Vanessa has a re 
ridiculously powerful Harley, uh, Ducati. Nice. And you see this woman, she's like 5'1", 110 pounds, and she's got this <laughs> Ducati that would do a wheelie if I floored it, right? But she knows how to That's ride. Awesome. She's, she's awesome. And then he's got this amazing Harley. And they do big road trips together. But that would give me, I mean, she's, she wants an excuse to come to Austin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's so funny because when you know veterans, when you know them, and there are some big companies where I know some very high placed veterans in those companies mm-hmm. that, you know, we can talk about off air, uh, you know, as potential sponsors or helping out in some capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when you know those people and they're in a position of power, one of the most beautiful things about veterans is, is they don't forget. They're yeah. not like other people. You can come from a small town, Michael Moore, and make it rich and then ignore your people forever and ever amen never go back to your high school reunion build a mansion on the lake you know put a big fence around it so no one can come see you blah 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 that story is as old as yep Yep, it is but veterans don't do that it's one of the most amazing things about veterans is that they never forget where they came from right and the thing is you know and why is that well i said because We've seen the worst the world has to offer, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, uh, if, if we're making it, we're doing it like, you know, we, we have perspective. Well, not, not because there's, there's lots of civilians who have perspective as well. I don't want to discount that. No, but it's, you it's know, but it, specific to the question of veterans, you know, the perspective is just, it's just different. You know, it, there's, there's this, uh, this desire to serve, right? Um, and which is why a lot of us do what we did, but you know, it's, it's, you know, finding service after service and you can do that. Yeah. You just don't forget where you came from. You know, your brothers are your brothers and, and you never, you never leave a fallen comrade, you know? And then that's, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, it's not just something that's beat into you. It, it's something that, you know, you actually, when you're in the shit, when you're experiencing it, you know, it, it, it's just a way of life, you know, and you just don't get beyond that. Do you, um, how do you look back on your time? Do you, do you parse your time in the military as relationships and, and foundations of, of what you've done and who, who kind of transformed you into the man you are? And then there's that part. And then there's, let's say, basic training part. And then there's combat part. Or is it all together? How do you, how do you manage? Because it seems from the outside looking in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a simple person. I'm a kid who grew up in Montana. Um, my, you know, I don't have a claim to, I, you know, my hardest part of life was I had to make my own bullets so that we could go hunt so that we could kill animals so we could eat. That's the hardest yeah. part of my life. That's not very hard, man. Right. It's just not, I mean, when it com- compared to what people go through, it's, I have people go, Oh my God, you didn't go to the supermarket for food. I'm like, we couldn't, we didn't have any money. <laughs> right. You're Shit, in Montana. Man. Yeah. I don't <laughs> You know, I had a, I had a, I had what I had a 243 BDL, I had a 270, I had a 30 odd six bolt action, I had a 300 H and H, I had a 223 short nose, uh, 50 round banana clip M16 Vietnam model, and I had a pump 22. Yeah, they, I made my own bullets. Awesome. You kind of know what you were doing there, but that was that was the hard part of my life. That's not hard. Not what you went through in Afghanistan, not what veterans go. So I'm just, I'm curious, like, how do you, like, I take it all in and I'm just like, man, this is just a crazy fun story. 
but what you went through wasn't a crazy fun story. How do you parse that out? It all kind of, it all kind of comes together. You know, it's interesting because you know, there, there are, there are times when uh, I'll be walking somewhere doing something. In fact, last night, you know, last night I had to go from, uh, we were staying at the, uh, the venue at Dripping Springs and, um, I needed to go from what to another building and it's pitch black and everything. And I, 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 you know, stop for a second, let my eyes adjust to what light I can and just find my way around. And immediately my mind went back to being on a fob where there's no lights and, you know, you pretty much have to like feel yourself around because you, there's no, there's no light discipline. So, um, at night, uh, and it was just, it was quick memories, but, uh, there are bigger things that, you know, certain memories kind of get triggered and come back, but I think it all just kind of comes together. I mean, I, I, I don't obviously look back on anything with regret because everything shapes us and defines us, no matter whether it's military experience or not. You know, um, everyone has their own paths that, you know, and traumas, honestly, that, that, that kind of define who they become afterwards, uh, whether that's for good or bad. Um, but, uh, you know, I appreciate that time. And uh, you know, I, it, it did shape me. And, you know, it, it, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of baggage with it you know, um, being honest. And it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard to be, you know, I'm not one of those, uh, America vets. I just one of those like, all right, I did it. I did a thing. And, you know, now I'm going to continue to, to support where I can, um, you know, veterans lounge and with dream state, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're trying to incorporate as many veterans as we can in front of and behind the camera. Um, in, in fact, hide the very ending of the film, a team of mercenaries goes after a main character and they're all, you know, former operators, um, and, uh, because they know what they're doing. Um, and, uh, but I also know what it did for me. So it's, 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 it's a therapeutic way for me to kind of put my, uh, negative experiences on camera, you know, and into my character. So that's a part of me that I'm able to put into a character and that, that part of me is now trapped in a box on a screen. So I can kind of purge that side, you know, um, but that's not to say that everything's negative because it wasn't, you know, there's a lot of positive and amazing things that happen too. And, you know, you look back on it and it's, it's, I guess, you know, whereas some people would be like, oh, it's, you know, this crazy story is amazing story. And, you know, I guess we never saw it that way because it was just happening. So we were always just kind of doing and dealing and, and just, we were there and we were just doing what probably we think anybody else would do in that, in that situation. It didn't make us any more special. It just meant that we were, trained sometimes to handle certain situations sometimes we just had you know because we had had the the you know uh mindset ability you know we were able to, to unfuck a lot of situations um but yeah i mean which, which a lot a lot of times things are just reactionary so um you know it's how you react and get through it but you know it, it definitely has helped uh as you know being in, in an entrepreneurial world uh because I, I would I did the nine to five thing for a little bit and yeah, I, I don't, I honestly, if I hadn't stopped doing that, I, I probably wouldn't be here. So. It's interesting. You know, it's, I look at you and talking to you and having, you know, hung out with you a couple of times and had the privilege of that. Um, in a, in a lot of ways, your entre entrepreneurial spirit and the way you address things, right. It reminds me of my first conversation I had with Tim Kennedy. Mm. You know, I mean, Tim's an entrepreneur. Yep. And he put his passion of protection <laughs> he's got a passion for protection <laughs> yes he does yes he does he uh a big passion a big passion it's a nervous laugh <laughs> because he's uh he's the he's the man who's like i'll break your pinky off and kill you with it um right. 
but he, you know, he, he took this fire and uh, I remember we were talking and uh, he had brought up and I'm, I, you know, anyways, he had brought up something that was very controversial that he said on Rogan and he said on TMZ as well. And, but uh, then he told me about his SARS training or his Sears, Sears training, right? Sears Sears, training? Yeah, but Sears, yeah. yeah. Or, or Sears school. Yeah. Sears, Sears school. Yeah. 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 And uh, he's like, oh yeah, well, you know, they took me to a frozen lake. They drilled a hole in the water. I put my feet in the water uh, to, to my balls. I went into the frozen water to my balls and they beat me on my back with phone books. And then when that was done, they'd pull my feet out and they'd beat those with phone books. And then they'd switch off and on for hours. And I'm like that, I'm, I'm what the fuck? He's like, yeah, so that's why when people say certain things are torture, they're not. Because look what I've gone through to get right. to be the person that I am here. And I was just so just, I mean, like, I was just scratching my head. I was blown away of just his little stories, the, the little things he could tell. Right. But I was more impressed with who he became outside of that. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I always respect what people have done as far as what they did, what they've done overseas to protect this country, protect other people, um, you know, and, and I don't care whether people agree or disagree with why we've gone into a war, why we've gone right. to do anything. What, just like, a, just like a, who says in Black Hawk Down, like, you know, politics and all that just goes out the window, you know, it's, just, it's about the man next to you, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it's simple. It's that simple, but I'm so impressed with the man, not that he needs my, you know, acknowledgements in any way, but I'm like, dude, sheepdog response and, you know, everything you do, UFC, I was always, I was always like that coming out of hardship. And I do, I, I think that war, you know, I see war as hardship. Right. I just, I I just do. I don't, there's nothing nice about it coming out of it. And being like, I can't sit in a desk nine to five to your point, but I have a passion for things. And once again, here's this country, right? Where you're able to do it. Um, right. You're given that, that freedom. I loved what Tim said. He put a thing out. He's just like, if anyone asks why you're out and they, there's a stay at home order and they say, what are you doing out? Just hand them a copy of the constitution. <laughs> and go about your business. <laughs> right. Bring a lot of copies. <laughs> Bring a lot of copies, right? <laughs> but it's, you know, I mean, any veteran who is, I mean, and even the ones that, you know, are, they might enjoy nine to five, right? They might enjoy that security of if I'm here from here to here and then I'm free, whatever that freedom may be. And I don't, I don't, because right. you know, I don't, I, I say that because I don't want to put anyone in a box who's enjoying. No, of course. Yeah. We never want to speculate what, what people's version of freedom is. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and what security means to them right. or, or what adventure means to them. Right. right. Um, but uh, you know, wh- whatever that may be, man, I tell you, you come out of that in any way and you're productive um, and, and productive meaning, you know, as, as healthy as you can be and engaging with people and, and doing anything, I'm blown away because, and I'm blown away only because of the lack of resources and the lack of, of respect that I think veterans do not get when they come home, whether the war was praised or whether it was Vietnam. It breaks my heart. Right. It really does. You know, and, and, uh, 
you know, and I'll, I'll bring it back to Indiana Jones, man. I, I you know, and people are like, oh, how are you going to do this? Well, it's pretty fucking easy, man. I mean, it's, Indy's got two lives. He's got this life as a professor. He's got this right. life of adventure. Right. But the adventure has costs. Yep. And everyone wants the adventure. No one wants to deal with the cost. It's true. No it's one true. And that, and that you're right, though. I mean, and, and that's, that's where you get a lot of, you know, they're, they're, you know, the, the point of an adventure is to come out on the other side of that changed, you know, right. in, in some way, you know, and, but in order to get that change, you have to go through some hardship. You have to go through some, some, some and it's, you know, and that's, that's, that's not even just military. It's, it's people's lives in general, like, you know, trauma victims all over the world. I mean, it, they, you know, that, that's not an adventure. That's, that's trauma. That's, you know, things that some things they didn't ask for, you know, but you do have the people that are like, you know, I, I just, you know, uh, I want to attach myself to this thing because it seems fun, but you know, they don't want to do the work that, that, that comes with that, you know, and, and, yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I've, I'm friends with a lot of, you know, well, they're my brothers, you know, but I've met a lot of people at 12 Fox, oddly enough, you know, you know, former SEAL guy who's been, you know, do, doing, turning his, you know, uh, life now as, as a 25 year retired SEAL into helping veterans get through the VA process, you know, and, and get he's giving back. Get him to me. Let me get him on the phone. Yeah, absolutely. No, you need to talk yes. to him. He's awesome. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, and, uh, but, you know, we're, we're sitting there and, you know, he's been on some hellacious adventures, you know, and, and, and we're, we're also kind of a sick and twisted breed of people because, you know, <laughs> you know, we, we just kind of ask for it, you know, at a certain point, like, you know, if you enlist after your initial enlistment, you reenlist and go back and keep doing it again, then yeah, yeah, we, we've got something wrong. Uh, but that's okay. You know, I embrace that. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a director in film. I've definitely got something wrong with me. Um, <laughs> so Yeah. I would see you have something right with you. <laughs> that, that you have a calling on your life that's different than anyone else's and uh you know we can we can learn from it um i think uh whether it's the david goggins of the world or yourself or anyone else i i firmly believe there should be a push in this country a very very hard push when we were kids growing up i was born in 74 right so i'm a late 70s early 80s kind of kid uh, but when I was growing up and I went to school, there was always motivational speakers, right? You'd get the, you'd get the assembly like once every two months. And it was like, that. Man, we got two hours off and we're going to watch magic or there's going to be this guy who's going to do this thing. Yeah. Fucking so cool. I'll go to the gymnasium. And it's gonna I'll go to the gymnasium. <laughs> right. I think, you know, and companies kind of took that role as that ended. Yeah. Right? Companies started bringing people in. I would firmly say this. I think companies should if you want if you want to understand life if you want to engage your employees if you want to see the difference between your company and hard work because i know startups are hard work but it's not it's not war it's not basic training it's not sears training it's none of that stuff right so you want to motivate your employees you want to make them feel you, every company should bring a veteran in to do a speech that can do one that should be your new speaker I firmly believe that. I think that should be the new speaker motivation pool coming out. It sits with these privileged little shitheads, little millennials in fucking San Francisco. And, you know, and even here in Austin, they're like, yeah, but yeah. we don't have the right flavor of granola bars. I don't want to work here anymore. You know what? Get them over. Go work out with David Goggins for an hour. 
Right. Well, well and the thing is, like you know, I you know, uh, we if, if South by would have would have gone on, we would have had a uh, Rudy Reyes uh, on. You know, he was really. Yeah, we already had a ticket for him. He and I are. We've been working a lot back and forth, and uh, he would have come on, and we would we were in a fireside chat together. Um, and we're still going to do one virtually. Uh, cool. Yeah, we find the time to do it, but man, that that dude is that's full another person of right? energy. Like he is, he's awesome though, and, and you know he's. But he's he's turned a lot of what his you know his stuff into uh, you know positive things as well, and in a lot of ways, you know, uh, entertainment being you know one of the primary ones but um you know we're we're going to cast him in the next film as well um you know just because you know we love him he's great um and you know we want to give him a shot to take on some more different types of roles and not always be like a you know in a military or tactical type thing but you know uh rudy's awesome you know rudy's, rudy's got the uh the, 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 he's he would be like the ultimate of motivational speakers Absolutely. Um, you know, he, he's awesome. Do you, um, you know, let's go back to film real quick um, because this has been burning in the back of my head and I don't want to, I don't want to leave it. Uh, you look at, and we'll, we'll go back to film and money and I don't, I mean this in a nice way. I really mm -hmm. do. Robert Rodriguez, before he had lots of studio money, made some epic films. Desperate with this, <laughs> you're like, don't burn any bridges for me, Jason. <laughs> you're not burning any bridges, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm already, I'm already way ahead of you because I actually had this conversation with Gianna uh, the other day because she had never seen Desperado. And, it's um, a great film when he, when he didn't have any money. So good and so good, right? and I would, yeah. And I would argue that Once Upon a Time in Mexico is also good, you know, in its own way. It wasn't as good, but it was still good. Dust till uh, dawn. They, Dust till dawn. Yeah, it was good. Even though, even though the the special effects weren't that special, right? The story it's, was cool. Still, yeah, story's cool. And you know, you know, even even a mariachi. You know, I mean, it, and that's yeah. But then, and then I, I this exact same conversation I, I had with Gianna, and it's like you know he's <laughs> so talented. He's so talented, and. I don't, I do not want to speculate. I don't want to put anything out there. I don't want to make accusations. I don't know if it was uh, the studios started getting more involved and having more of a say in what they wanted him to do, or if it was, he just got tired and was just kind of like, all right, well, here, here's some stuff. Yeah. Um, or what, I don't know what it was. Um, but I, I did, I, you know, I, I definitely saw a, a twist and a turn, you know, with, uh, you know, the level of, of, quality character and story and his films before and after for sure um and i am curious uh i'm very curious actually to see the second season of the mandalorian because he's directing a couple episodes uh of that show i you know what i i hope it's gonna be good i like him i've met him a couple times oh uh, I, I yeah i like him too i just, and, I, and uh, i'm like yeah you're so good just do the old but stuff again you. like do you exactly do you because even el rey i thought el rey he was going to do you and it didn't it wasn't right. it wasn't there's a gritty part of him there's a thing that he had and i'm not saying he lost it i'm just saying that's what he saw in film for a while right, a gritty right. part man it was so good it was so good yep it was beautiful and it uh was. i don't know how you get that back I don't know how, I mean, it's, I think it's, you know, I've been watching that Jordan series on ESPN 
right? He, he won the three championships, left Chicago, and then came back. And he left and goes, I'm out. Like, I've just, I've had enough. Right. There's no mountain to climb. And I wonder, you know, it seems like Tarantino hasn't lost that. No. And yeah, it seems right. like everyone else has. And so it, may, it, may, it begs the question, what does Tarantino have inside that he doesn't let go of, even with big money coming at him? He just he, he has a doesn't give a fuck attitude. Is that know? what it is? It's yeah. Captain I mean, Zero Fucks? Yes, it pretty, pretty much is. <laughs> uh, but so does Nolan. Because look at Nolan. Yeah, that's film. true. Nolan doesn't have a bad film, you know. And, uh, and, and, and he improves, and, but he, he also tackles Brendan. You know, you know it's a Nolan film, but it's always a different genre. It's always a different story. It's always, but at the, at the, the thing that Nolan does so well is that his stories are primarily, it, 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 his, all of his effects and, and, and cool stuff and the cool ideas and concepts don't go anywhere if they don't have the core human moment. You know, Interstellar is not, a space opera it's not about space it's not about anything it is about a father and a daughter inception is not about you know uh dream sharing and all that kind of stuff it, it, that's just a vehicle it's about a father trying to get back to his kids and living with the torment of what happened to his wife yeah you know and uh go back to his his first major film uh memento would put him on the map it's not it's not about you know it, at the end of the day, it's about a, 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 a man riddled with guilt for having been responsible for killing his wife, yeah. you know, unintentionally. So, and, and, and even, even, even the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight trilogy is not Batman. It's the tragedy of Bruce Wayne, you know, yeah. because you have this constant conflict. So he tells human stories with this big world around them. You know, but every single Nolan film, you can, you can relate to a character or two or three and they matter because like, yes, I resonate with that. I get that. I understand that. Yeah. They, you know, I, I get emotional when I watch Interstellar, you know, cause it, it's, you know, it, it's about a father and a daughter and at the end of the day, that's what it is. You know, and that's, that's what, that's why Nolan succeeds because he finds a way to package it in such a way that, you know, he'll give you the spectacle, but it always matters, but it's always around this, this central, basic, innate human thing. Do you think that's the beauty that he captures that maybe only he captures is he can do big budget action and still, so he can, he can, he can hit the masses, right? He mm -hmm. can hit the rock fans, if you will, big right. budget action, boom, boom, boom. Here's your explosion. Here's your car chase inception. Here's the world's bending over. Here's the cinematography mm -hmm. things that you think you need to see. Right. But then for the people that love movies, He's like, here's the story. Here's the cinema. Here's the art. Here's the, here's the human. Here's the story. Yes, absolutely. He, he's, he's the rare, he's just, I would say Spielberg's up there too. You know, uh, Spielberg does that really well and did it exceptionally well in the 80s and 90s. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, but Spielberg is that way, you know, uh, he's an icon. Uh, but yeah, Nolan, he's, he's, he's got it. You know, he's got it because he, has, he, has, he hasn't missed once. Who's the guy um, who did all the uh, Pirates of the Caribbeans? Uh, Rob Marshall directed most of them, but it, 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 the director changed hands a couple. The directorship changed hands a couple times. Yeah, that's. I mean, those were hit and miss, and it's like you never got to know the characters. That was the, one of the things I was telling a friend of mine. I said, "He goes, why do these fail?" And I go, "You never got to know the character." Yeah, there was never well, the thing of like you, you know, and I don't. 
you never, I don't know who Jack Sparrow is. There was, right. you know, if you're into the Pirates of the Caribbean, right, in my humble opinion, let me get the story of Jack Sparrow. Let me get him mm -hmm. as a kid. Like, do the right. first one and then go back in time and let me watch him grow up and become Jack Sparrow. Like, let me just right. be a part of something. Just, just see that pivotal moment. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's once again, it's always the confusion I have that every great movie we know what works and then hollywood goes yeah but that's not the algorithm exactly but that that, that that that's all they use it's all they go off of and that is the studio system got way too big but this whole shutdown you know put a massive like massive hit on, on the studio system you know they don't have the agility yeah. Or the flexibility to move quickly, whereas we do in the independent world. You know, sure. if you have a crew and a team of people that know what they're doing, you know, when the when the green light goes back on, we're able to move uh, and move quickly uh, because you know we we don't have all the we didn't create a system of bureaucratic red tape and nightmares to have to go through and unions and this and all you know and and all these things that you know they say are designed to protect, but all they do is serve the big studio system they just serve the larger you know uh overlords if you will do you think the best thing that could come out of this is you know for lack of a better term the breaking of the mirror the uh the fractionalization of hollywood to where the investors i mean if, if, if i'm in a private equity or i'm a film investor right and i look at what's going on you want to invest in independent film. I'm not you want just, to invest in exactly. Yeah. You're just like you got to look at this and go, yeah. man. I cannot be beholden to, let's say, um, a theater release anymore. Like I, I can't yeah. live in that world where a theater release is 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 my thing. Versus, can I, instead of creating a hundred million dollar film, let's say, and I'm charging people twenty nine ninety nine to watch it at home. Mm -hmm. Or I can do an independent film, 10 million, and right. I can just be like, whatever, you, listen, you guys, go after it, right? Just yeah. John Cusack model, like, let's just, let's, yep. let's do your let's, thing. Do your thing, but make it good. Right. Do your thing. And I trust you in that world, then I can charge $3.99 on Amazon Prime and Netflix, yep. or Netflix can pick it up, or whomever, whatever that scenario may be. And the win in that is is seems like one less risk a right. b true film and and c a better opportunity for a story and a better opportunity for independent filmmakers the old robert rodriguez's the current nolan's right I, I, listen i believe if you gave nolan 20 million dollars and a script he would still knock it out of the park. he would knock it out of the park of course he would yeah because he, he's not he's not reliant on money as much as he is just the right people and the right you know the right story yeah he, he can do a lot with it and that's that's where you know we you know at dream state you know and myself and my team and crew we're, we're confident we know that we because we did something with hyde you know the, the grindhouse thriller oh yeah that, should never have happened um and it, it should not look as good as it does um and you know the the the, the you know the, you know the biggest obstacle was like you know well you don't have any names attached I'm like yeah well these performances are amazing because these these actors all from austin you know did amazing performances because they were they were challenged they were pushed they were able to actually elevate into a, into a point where 
you know, taking on lead roles for the first time, taking on supporting roles for the first time, you know, and uh, everyone stepped up. Um, and, you know, it, we did a lot with little and, and that, that that's a big confidence boost for a lot of people involved. And we have the right partnerships with the next project, you know, that I can't even name right now uh, that, you know, the, when an investor looks at, you know, the, th the things that we have attached to it and our approach, the confidence will be high. You know, yeah. it's just a matter of getting the talent attached. It's, it's interesting, you know, and, and you're, you're talking about talent and, and, and what this means. And, you know, it's, I, I take a step back personally and I'm just like, I'm, I'm always inspired by, by, uh, by filmmakers and what you're saying, because you're not, it's like what I told this person the other day. I said, you know, I, I float the, the guy uh, Kingsley, he has this app called float app. It's a, it's a social media network where they don't shadow ban. They don't, Love people, it's this man, it's the wild, wild west. You don't like someone, don't listen to them. Fuck them. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But don't complain to me about some bullshit. Right. Right. And and I'm like, oh wow, wait. So you are just you're doing the you're you're doing the work to not have to do the work if that makes sense, right? You're right. You're you're investing in people, you don't need a big name. And when I said, What's your success look like for 2020? And he's like, you know what? I just want people to recognize that they have a free space to communicate. And I said, man, I really like that because you're not waiting for Dwayne The Rock Johnson to come on to Float App and hang out and be like, I'm The Rock and I'm here. And you're like, shit, we've made it. Right. And when, when you're talking about your films, it's like you're not waiting for, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, I don't For some reason, Nicolas Cage pops into my head because he's so <laughs> controversial and anything he does everyone's like it's either shit or it's amazing there's no right, middle, right. Right? <laughs> but everyone looks and i'm like you're, yes, not, they do. you're not looking for that right you're just looking for excellence and to highlight people you know and 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 to, and to share and show art as it as it should be as cinema as right. it should be and and you know i'll take it back to indiana jones indiana jones isn't batman he doesn't right. have the cool shit right he's, got a whip he, and a he's bumbling through shit half the time like <laughs> you know he's got a whip and a shitty pistol and a great right. jacket and a hat that some could argue is good some could argue is bad right i mean so it's like it is what it is but that's all he's got but he makes the best of it right right he's a college professor who has opportunity right he seizes it and that, if you think about it, is really kind of a cool part of the American dream. And that's the cool part about what you're doing is that you're seeing these opportunities and these moments and you're not waiting for the hundred million dollar budget. You're not waiting for anything like that. You're saying, I'll do it with five or I'll do it with this or whatever it may be. Right. And well, because you have to. And the thing is like, uh, and, but you and don't have to. No, no, no. You don't have to. You could sit there and cry in your beer for the next five years. No, and talk about yeah. how you can't make a movie because no one will True. give you the budget you need. Boo hoo is me. Right. You could, and I know plenty of filmmakers that do that bullshit. Oh, I do too. Yeah. Oh, I right? do too. Yeah. So you know those fucking people. But and you don't you, do it. Right. You move forward. You move forward. And the thing is, like, you know, right now with this, you know, everyone at a standstill and everything, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of colleagues have, you know, shut down as well. And, and they're just like, oh, I need to school. You know, whereas, you know, I happen to be fortunate to, you know, my partner is, is an actor and a producer as well. And a lot of people in our team, we, we see the same way. 
and uh, we're like, okay, what can we do? And what, nobody else is going to play, you know. So, all right, cool. They're going to take outside the box. Let's start working on a, a conceptual, you know, series. You know, what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, let's just, you know, we know this series concept that we want to do in the future, you know. So why don't we just start doing a teaser series to support that, that it becomes a proof of concept to kind of build that one up. Sure. Um, or developing some characters, some ideas, and experiments, try some things, let's learn some, let's learn from some mistakes now so we don't have to do that later. Um, and, you know, we're going to find some really interesting magical moments for, between doing that. And then as, as an actor, you, she gets to, 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 to play an experiment, whereas, you know, she doesn't have to go through the whole audition process over and over and over and over and over again. And, and only be limited to taking classes. We get to be in front of cameras. I get to direct it and hone the craft a little bit. Um, this is the opportunity to do that, the time to do that. Um, and, you know, can't waste this opportunity. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, if you're just sitting around waiting for the green light before you activate anything, you're, you're behind, you know. And sure. That's why we're pushing our next feature through development. We're pushing it through. We're getting the term sheets. We're getting the partnerships aligned. We're getting all these things in order because when the, there is a green light and we actually, all right, bam, cool. Scheduled three months out, we're moving, you know, um, and, and we're ready to go. You know, we're, we're making those tweaks. We're making models. We're actually getting concept art. We're, we're doing everything that we can do right now to make, to make the thing work. Um, and we're aligning with people that believe uh, in the same philosophies. I love it. I, mean, I really do. It's just, it's the, the things that I see, you know, when, when it comes to that, it's like, that's, that's the beauty. That's the intersection of what you've lived in the past, where you are right now, and then what you want to see get done. And they're all aligning, right? I mean, the, that alignment part is the hard thing. Right? right. That's that's the hardest part. Everyone has a past that they can leverage. Everyone has right. a moment they can grab onto. And everyone has a future they can see. But when you want to align them into a series, that's right. where it's, you know, it's well and you have to go through a lot of shit to get that point. But you, <laughs> but you also have to recognize it when it's happening. Because a lot of people won't recognize that. Oh, because they get so uh, blinded by, you know, well, I want to be here. Well, you gotta do a lot of this to get to that point. Um, yeah. So start doing that and stop wasting time. Where, what's your, uh, when you look back, what's one of your moments uh, where you're like, oh man, I'm so glad this part happened or, you know, this, this was a key or, or, you know, like Indiana, right? He's, I mean, his moments are his failures in relationships and then still being able to resurrect them. Right. right. I mean, that's, that's one of his greatest failures and also some of his greatest moments because they're like, oh, fuck, Indiana's here. And he's like, hold on a second. I'm going to win you over. We're going to go on <laughs> right. an adventure. And probably no one's going to get paid. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Story of film. Story of film, uh, right? Story of film. What's, your, uh, what's one of your moments? Man, that's, that's hard because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of little moments that kind of add up to big moments. But I, I would say that... Um, we did a, an immersive screening at Alamo back in December, and we wanted to experiment with something. Um, you know, it all started with a, a, a couple that were in the film, uh, wanted to do another screening, and they said, you know, we'll cover it. If you just want to, you know, screen it again at Alamo, we'll cover the cost of it. I'm like, okay, about that, okay. You know, um, and uh, so Gian and I worked with uh, the people at Alamo, and 
they allowed us, they asked us what we wanted to do for pre-show. And we were like, well, we kind of want to do our own pre-show. And they were like, well, what does that look like? So we, we met with them at the theater and we we're like, well, we want to turn the theater into a set piece from our film. Um, wow. We, we want to put props up front. We want to have actors engaging and, and messing with uh, the, uh, the audience uh, during the 30 minute pre-show and order. Uh, food order time and when the lights go down we want to start the movie and they they supported us 100 percent, and you know we did it so we went in you know 45 to an hour before and uh you know set up uh did a whole the whole setup you know we had one of the hero walls from the from the film set up on the outside of it next to the step from the peak and every every chair had a mask that we spray painted and all that kind of stuff uh, so as people came in they were able to wear a mask and be a punk in the film uh, we had six actors that were you know scary as hell you know wearing masks and being representing punks from the film that we're engaging with and interacting with uh, just toying with uh, the audience just having a good time and uh, my uh, composer Jonas Wickstrand is amazing also does sound design created a soundscape for 30 minutes that you know, puts you in the world of the film whoa, 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 time out. how do you have a composer you're you're a musical you're, you're you went to school for music why you got a composer? I can't do everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 and Jonas, uh, our composer is going to win Oscars. This, this guy is amazing. Uh, right. Amazing. Uh, so he, we are unbelievably lucky to have him. Um, but uh yeah so i mean and, and after it was over you know it just it was, it was great it was just great to to have you know an immersive type of thing and try something new and different and you know being able to do that you know because that's the you know if, if i could steer it into a different direction but not uh you have the whole playground fight between universal and uh uh, AMC and Regal. I was just going to bring that up after this. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, just do it. Trail. Let's do it. Yep. I think AMC fucked up. I think that the <laughs> yeah. world of, of movie watching has changed. Johnny Z and I were talking about this, right? And I said, hey, man, Alamo put down a blueprint that every major theater chain should follow, which is one, fragment. Yes. Right? Fragment. Just listen. You don't know. I don't think people realize the small little restaurant local chains sometimes are owned by a bigger conglomerate where they want to test things. Right. And it seems like, Oh, this is local. And it's not. Right. Okay. But you got to think about movies, Alamo jaws. You watch it on the water. Yeah. Which is awesome. I've done it. It's amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Texas chainsaw Scuba divers going underneath and messing with you. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> Texas chainsaw massacre, right? It's at the house. It's in the field where the house is, where they caught the guy. Yep. Right? So yeah. you got to look at all of those things and go, all right, well, winter's coming. Now you've got to look at a calendar. And now a calendar actually appropriately fits movie launches. Yeah. Like, yep. All right, well, just people want to sit outside in the cold and drink hot cocoa and watch this, you know, whatever. I forget what the Tarantino winter film was where the. Uh, Django. Django. Not Django. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. It was uh, uh, Hateful Eight. Hateful, Hateful Eight. Eight. Yeah. Would you sit in the snow and watch that? I mean, I would. You get me? I hate I hate snow, but I would do that. I would do it for that because yeah. I think because it, it would bring a part of it of like this is why these guys are cold. So so that's you know, and, and I can't I can't uh, I can't share too much about what we're doing okay. right now. Talk to me. Um, Don't talk. Give, give me a little teaser. Yeah, I'll give you a little <laughs> teaser. But I'll, I'll tell you what Universal, well, not Universal, but what AMC Regal did not do is they did not think about innovating. Nope. And 
because to Nolan's point and to our our goals and desires is there is something magical about the big screen. There's something magical magical about the theater theatrical experience. Unfortunately, what's happened aside from Alamo is that experience is no longer magical. You know, because going to the theaters isn't fun anymore. There you see commercials, you see ads, you see all this stuff like just all in front of your face. You know, Fifteen dollar popcorns. Well, yeah, but even then, when you go, when you buy your fifteen dollar popcorn, you have to go in and sit through Coca Cola ads, and yep. you know this, you know, it's like it's no different than sitting at home and watching TV and getting commercials. Like, why am I even here? You know, um, and whereas Alamo gives you this really cool pre-show, and then it goes right into the trailers and the movie, right? But you know, time to innovate, time to do some new stuff because you know, Universal, you want to do your thing on, online. Well, guess what, theaters, you got to do something different now you know, to get people out of their homes. And that's what we're doing right now. We're coming up with some ideas and some concepts that are going to do just that, pull people out of their homes. And it's, it's big. Uh, and we just, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. But isn't that the experience? Isn't that the point of the movie? Yes, the point of the movie, and I put this on Johnny's comments, and Paul and I were talking back and forth. And I said, this is where they lost their way. They gave mm -hmm. me bass. They gave me T T H. THX sound, right? Yeah. They gave me surround sound and they gave me great bass. And they gave me $15 popcorn and $10 Coca-Colas. And that's where it ends and begins. The smell is still the same. Yeah. The shitty seats are still the same. The yeah. cup holder's still the same. Yeah. And my shoes still stick to the ground. Alamo gave me a history of all, oh, like if I go see Batman, right? I get to see every Batman cartoon, 30 second, one minute, two minutes yep. of yep. it. Uh, like they put effort into yes. this film there and in that effort um i feel engaged i'm like oh now i'm gonna see something new okay and i'm gonna see something i haven't seen before and then i get the don't talk which i always find hilarious uh and then you get other i love movies, it you know and i love i love all of it but it's amazing that in technology and everything else we will innovate We'll innovate, innovate. We'll innovate homes. We'll innovate cars. But AMC doesn't think they have to innovate. No, they, they don't. don't. They don't. They don't. They, don't. they, don't. they just don't. It's bullshit. They because and here's the thing: like AMC, Regal, all that. They they literally have been sucking on the teat of the big studios, and that's the only thing that's kept them alive. Uh, is is getting those is getting butts and seats because of these tentpole films that unfortunately mostly suck. So there is a quid pro quo to this, you know, give me a good fucking movie and we'll give you a good fucking experience, you know. Yeah. And it, with what we're doing right now, with what we're talking about doing, um, it's a huge endeavor, but it is going to create that magic again that is so needed and that the theaters just aren't are doing you know and rather than pointing fingers and trying to point blame amc was already going bankrupt they're just now trying to look for a scapegoat and universal became a scapegoat um you know and so you know whatever you know it, it's yeah. innovate innovate and adapt and overcome and and, and make it work money. in the modern that's day. the problem man you've you've got the resources and the money you really i mean i know you're you're hurting but you have the resources and the money to do it you really do you know i mean mcdonald's but that's the problem. They only think about the money. They're not thinking about the innovation. They're not thinking about the uh, the magic. They're, and you you always, it's a balancing act. You know, yes, you need the money. You need money. People need to live. People need to, you know, corporations and, and businesses need profits. You know, but the thing is, 
you can't let go of the magic otherwise you've lost the balance you know and that's the problem with the theater system as a whole aside from alamo yeah. is that the magic's gone it is i mean I, I look at mcdonald's look at mcdonald's is is patent printed here we go they were the first to leave the malls as they saw the malls dying they were the first fast food chain to leave the malls right they were the first to also leave their standalone buildings, even though they have quite a few of them, right? Just roadside attractions. And they started incorporating into gas stations. They started, they started embedding into, oh, we're a drive-through. Oh, but people don't want to make four stops. They don't want to go get gas, then go get groceries. And they want one stop, right? right. And, and they, they kept innovating. They, they, you know, remember McDonald's used to be a place where you'd go, you'd sit down, you'd eat, the kids would play in the playscape, they would do their thing. Right. It's the same thing why Pizza Hut's in the shit spot they're in. They yeah. still had those standalone restaurants when Domino's looked and said, oh, wait, everyone's ordering this shit to go. No one wants to sit in <laughs> right. here. No yeah. one does. And no one needs a salad bar. Do you remember Pizza Hut's? This is one of my favorite stores. Do you remember Pizza Hut's um, uh, tagline for salad bars? Good grazing. Way to call me fat. You motherfucker. <laughs> Okay. It was horrible, right? But they just, they're like, oh, we'll be healthy. Here's a salad bar. And Domino's is like, no, I'll just get you your shit in five minutes. <laughs> the kid does. Right, exactly. Fuck out of here. And, and there's a balance, obviously, because Domino's had their hits and Pizza Hut's is, is you know, it's, but innovation, moving forward constantly, doing something different, right? always <laughs> pushing the boundaries that's what creates inspiration and change. That's right. the difference. That's the, that's the subtle nuance of, of where I think we, we, we lose out a lot, right? We really right. do lose out a lot because people forget, man. They, we have such a short attention span. And you, know, you yep. look at Alamo and you're like, oh, Alamo's been around forever. Yeah, Alamo has been around forever. And, and Alamo's first attempt failed. It was right. in LA and it failed. They brought, you know, brought it to, to, uh, to Austin and found some respect. Right. Loving cinema. And, and guess what? LA has one now. And LA has one now. LA's like, shit, I got to get on board. And, yep. that's, and I think that's the greatest song story ever for, for anything in the movies. We tried it in LA. It failed. We took it out of LA. It succeeded. And then LA asked for one. Right? I mean, is that not the greatest success that's story? As far but as film goes of all time? That's the model. I mean, that's now, the model. For, because the thing is, like, you know, I, a lot of our connections and contacts, you know, are, are out of L.A., somewhere out of San Francisco. Um, and, you know, uh, but the nexus of what we do is, you know, here in Austin. And, you know, it's just uh, the, the right people. And, you know, L.A. is too saturated. You can't make it. At, at my level or anything like that in LA, it's just not possible. Um, and it's just being real. It doesn't matter how good you are, you're not. If you're not a part of the club, you're not going to make it. So you instead say, well, I don't want to be part of your club. I want to do what I want to do. And I'm going to align with the people that believe in, in what this is. And we're going to go out and create amazing shit. And yeah. people are going to love it. Do you, you know, in, in the world and where you live and, you know, it, it, everything that happens, you know, especially here, especially now, it seems like the gut feeling that I get from you is like, well, everyone else is covering and hiding. You're like target rich opportunity. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely, it is. Which is why, you know, John and I, we, every day, we're like, all right, what, what are we getting done for today? Like, what's the next step? What are we doing? You know, and, you know, we're, we're creating investor websites instead of pitch decks. You know, we're, we're creating, you know, we're, we're thinking, we're acting like an immersive company instead of saying we are, you know, and we're, we're developing and conceptualizing and, you know, uh, calls and meetings and, and, you know, people, I cannot tell you, like, there's probably three or four different filmmakers that work at that top level that live here in Dripping Springs or in Dripping Springs and we're aligned with them. We're going to start working with them. They want to work with us. They believe in what we're doing. It is a target rich environment. And, you know, in, in the sense that, you know, the money will come because of what we're doing. You know, uh, we're not, we don't have to get on our hands and knees and beg you know, we know what we need and we're, and, you know, and if something's not working, we're going to try a different approach. You know, we're not going to beat a dead horse. That the horse is dead. Move on to the next, uh, the next stop. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, because of everyone else is hiding, we're like, no, 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 no. Because how many people are not going to come out of this because they went and hit. It's um, do you think with the way, Texas is opening up and the way things are happening, right? I mean, um, you know, Tesla's already saying, hey, we're, we, we want to go to Texas. Like, we want could you see um, filmmaking come here in a more prevalent manner? I could, and I'll tell you why. Because the, the, the problem, okay, so our politics, you know, being what it is, you know, sure. is for better or for worse, I don't, I don't care about left, right, blue, red, don't care. That's not what this statement's about. This statement is about the ignorance of what an actual decent tax incentive does for a state. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the statement is constantly said by the politicians, I don't want all this money going to Hollywood. I'm like, it's not, actually. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not. It's, most of it's going in the pocket of, uh, of, of you, of, of the state of Texas, and into, into small business, into, you know, the economy of wherever the location is being filmed at. That's most it's it's in a massive look at Georgia. Georgia's been in the black for ever because they have an amazing uh, film incentive program. But didn't and Georgia just steal that party line from Canada when they were taking? Yes, when, yes. When Toronto they, uh, was just and Montreal yeah. was just taking everything out of New York City. Yep, and 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 Georgia stepped up and did the same thing. New Mexico is doing the same thing. So much that Netflix bought studios in New Mexico and is going to move their primary operations to New Mexico. And, you know, one thing that we're recognizing with the level that we're at is there's going to be a massive backlog when all this stuff does, you know, uh, the green light comes back up. So we're just going to leave the country and shoot somewhere else. We already know where we're shooting, as you can't say, but, um, you know, and we're going to shoot elsewhere that has a higher tax incentive rate and has, you know, far more feasible and, uh, you know, just more production type people that are like us. Um, does that affect and, your writing when you think about location? Where you're shooting? No, actually, um, okay. because I, in, unless it is a very distinctive, iconic thing that has to be in the frame, you know, and I typically don't, I typically don't write that way. Um, you know, I, I'll go there and if I need, if I need that one thing in the frame, I'll go get that one thing in the frame and get, get the fuck out, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and bam, got my transition, just establishing shot, done. Done, uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean, it, you know, with the kind of stuff that we're writing, you know, this next project's all soundstage anyway. Um, and uh, beyond that, uh, you know, there's two countries that we're looking at, both uh, in the Baltic area and, and everything that, you know, 
have some of the most unreal landscapes that you would think of that fit our stories perfectly. Um, you say I mean, Baltic, uh, and I instantly think the Jason Bourne movies. Great car <laughs> scenes, yeah, beautiful but, buildings, just crazy shit, and also beautiful, beautiful landscapes. So I think of. Yep. That's it. Yeah. So I have a question for oh, you. So here's, there. so here's my pitch. I got a question for you. I've been thinking about this for geez, probably a decade, maybe longer. You'd think I'd have a lot more meat on the bones thinking about a decade, but <laughs> not very smart. <laughs> so do you remember that show Cheaters? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I, once again, 70s, early 80s, my, uh, my father, um, he, uh, he had a little flair for, my, my first stepdad had a little flair for pornography. And I remember... Um, my mom caught him with the porn and she burned it all and she you know, cussed him out. And then he started getting penthouse letters instead of the, 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 uh, the pictures, just read the stories. And, you know, everything was a pizza delivery boy, a house uh -huh. cleaner, a yep. pool guy, <laughs> or, or at the airport. And so I had this idea and I talked to my buddy, Chris Howard, uh, he used to be a running back at Michigan, played in the NFL for a while. Uh, he's got a you know, reality TV production studio. And he's like, Jepson, I'm not doing this. I don't want you to get shot. I don't want you to get shot. <laughs> I'm like, this is the greatest idea ever. Probably not. But I want to I want to <laughs> I want to I bounce it by a real person. So and, you know, and you're the real person here because of what you do. So the idea is, is that one, you go on Craigslist and you're like, I need, I need 20 models for two hours of work. That's what I need you for. Two hours of work. And then, because you've got to record this early, you've got you've to put everything in the vault, and then you've got to release it out in segments, and you'll understand mm -hmm. why. And then I, what I like, beautiful girls, I want them to go in. They've got to wear glasses or something that has a camera on them. I've got to have a directional mic with a, with a guy and another hidden camera pointed towards. And I want this gal to sit at the airport bar and flirt with a guy. And be like, oh, I can't believe my flight was canceled. He's like, yeah, I've got to catch a flight in you know, an hour. Why'd your flight get canceled? She goes, I don't even know, but they booked me in the Marriott downtown, which is weird. I just thought they'd put me close, but I don't know, there's some big problem and there's a convention at that hotel. So, you know, I've got like $200 in vouchers downtown and then I've got this suite at the Marriott. Flirts, 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 gets this guy at the, there's a junction where you have to vote <laughs> and it's called, will he go? Is he gonna get on his plane? Or does he think he's going to get laid so he's going to miss his plane and then he's going to stay with her? So, at the, so then, you know, it's like, Paging Jim, 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 are you there? Jim, Jim. And he's like, you know, last call for Jim. We got this. You know, boom. He misses his flight. She's like, listen, let me go to the restroom real quick. I'll come back. We'll grab a cab. Go to the Marriott. He's like, perfect. You know, and the bartender walks by. He's like, you know, Jim, you want another beer? And he's like, you know, I'll take one more. I mean, she's going to the restroom. She'll be there in a minute, but then we're going to, I got to get out of here. So whatever the tab is. And he's drinking. He's like, man, she's, hope everything's okay. And then she goes to the restroom, changes her clothes and leaves. So you got to buy a Southwest airline ticket one way. Want to get away. Who cares? 29 bucks. Throw the ticket away. Then she leaves, but you got to keep filming this guy. Cause then you've got to get him. He's just like, listen, Marge, no, no, no. I get it. All right. There's a windstorm in fucking Austin. Okay. <laughs> out of here, all right. Jesus Christ. 
What the f- I, I don't listen. I don't control fucking planes, but I just, <laughs> like, did I put on my personal credit card. I mean, I will. I don't care. So then you get this whole, <laughs> but you've got this. Uh, you got this thing where it's there's there's a part where it's just like, man, is he is he really does he really think he's going to get laid? Right, he, right, the guy's right. This dumb, and people vote, and you cannot watch the rest of it until you vote. Oh wow! Well, you know, and if you don't, if you don't click yes or no, you don't get a. Yeah. Rest of the film. That sounds like a uh, an MTV spot. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would jump all over. Pitch to MTV, I think you're going to be great. You think I got anything out of MTV? I've said yeah, it on this podcast. I'm sure, right? <laughs> there's some Russian guy going, "Post the donuts." Listen, there's a guy in the fucking. <laughs> you should listen. listen. Here it is. <laughs> It's a, uh, no, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, and I, and I, I bring that whole story up because of this and, and, uh, it's a circuitous event of, of one to get a laugh, but two also at a dinner party, when you say you're a filmmaker, how many times do you get pitched a movie? Uh, well, <laughs> no, I get one of two things. Okay. Well, three things. Uh, well, first one is, first one is always, you know, it's usually some, some, Dipshit who thinks he's funny. Like, so you do porn? Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm like, did I, do I look like I'm doing, like, what, where do you even get that? Um, I was just fucking with you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've heard it a hundred times. Uh, second one is, oh, yeah, we're going to see your stuff. Have I heard of you? I'm like, probably not. No. And can't see my stuff right now. It's, it's, you don't understand the process. Um, and the third one is the pitch. Is like, oh my god, I had this great idea this one time. And no, just seriously, it's great. You should think about doing it. And and they go into it. And I'm like, all right, taken five, you know, or or whatever. There's a guy. So, there's a, a guy. <laughs> yeah, he's on a commuter like... train. There's a ball. <laughs> it's in her ass, though. See what I'm doing, huh? See, I oh, flipped the script on you now, didn't I? Oh, you didn't yeah. think I did her ass, did you? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's one of those three things, you know, and I actually try to avoid saying it, honestly, like, you know, if what what's you your made up like, job, uh, if, you, if you could be at a dinner party and avoid it, a conversation, like I've got my made up job, I tell people, I am, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a FME, so I'm a fecal matter expert, and I work done. for the circus. After, only after you shake their hand. Only after I shake their hand. But then I say, but, but I also, I work for the circus, but I'm one of the few people who works for the circus that's never seen the circus. Because what I do is I come in and I prep the city for all the elephant, giraffe, donkey, all the shit. And then I come in after and I make sure all the shit's cleaned up properly. But I've actually never seen the circus, but I've worked for the circus for 20 years. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? Good, nice to meet you. <laughs> So I, I think that, you know, my, my, my out, my way of like being like, oh, I don't want to have a conversation with this person. It's, it's the best conversation ender, especially here in Austin. Oh, what do you do? I work in tech. Oh yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. Done. I work in tech. Because everyone fucking works in tech in Austin and you know, and, and none of it's exciting. So it's just like, I work in tech. Okay, cool. Uh, okay. <laughs> Done. <laughs> All right, I'm out. 
See, I, I worked so hard at a fake story and you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> just like just let me cut Nope, done. Out. Done. Don't I'm have out. time for you. I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time for your lies, Jason. I'm just going to say I work in tech. Yeah, I work I also, in tech. I move it on. But the, the other one I used to say is I was a, um, uh, what was the other thing? It was, uh, I want to get this right. Uh, I'm a, um, I'm a post forensics cleaning service. So I manage post forensics cleaning. So if there's been a suicide or a murder or a break-in, the cops come, fingerprint dust, everything's there. I come in and clean up after it. Do you want to know what it's like to clean up brain? Or like if someone got shot and their, their bile's everywhere, let's talk about that. Like, cause a lot of people think they shit themselves. And I just go into gross detail. I'll be like, can I get a, oh, I just gotta go drink real quick. And then my wife's calling me. I don't know if you heard her. Oh yeah, here. so I, I was just getting a drink, man. I didn't want to <laughs> Now I don't want my drink. Actually, can you just scratch it and close it out? I just want to get the fuck out of here. Please. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. That job, it that job exists. It does exist. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, the guy. We were in college. I was talking to a buddy, and we wanted to do post-forensics cleaning service. We had this idea. Pitch my dad on the business plan. He used to work in insurance. I'm like, dude, help me sell this. I want to do this. And we pitched my dad. My dad's like, this is bullshit. Sorry. Like two years later on Oprah, there was a guy who ran the East Coast, basically post-forensics cleaning service. And he was the guy. And he was on Oprah and he was doing $15 million a month, which is why he was on Oprah, because he was cleaning up after crime scenes in New York, DC, and Miami. And I'm like, Jesus, Oh, dude. missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. <laughs> How much free blow did you find in Miami? I mean, I know. <laughs> My God, friend. Right, right, right. <laughs> Double down on the resale of that bullshit. Come on. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, man, missed opportunities. That's, there's money to be made there. There probably still is. There's going to be, you know, it's, uh, oh, especially now, let's be honest. I, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, in the crazy world we live in, you know, and everything that's going on, um, where, where do you, I know you, you want to take overseas. I know you've got some great interactive ideas of, of what's happening, but in general in film, how do you see it changing? I mean, we've watched it change from epic iconic pieces that were 50s, 60s, 70s when there was limited money and limited right. screens. The 80s kind of pushed the barrier a little bit. The 90s, right. you know, and then, and then the 2000s, it's With like indie. it's online. And then indie. But indie was, I mean, Blair Witch Project, right? Like that was, right. that was I mean, not the first, but that was the big blockbuster first where people right. thought it was real and kind of freaked the fuck out of people and it gave indie uh, a bright shining star that maybe it never saw before because media never grabbed onto it like they did with right. and i i wonder what's um what do you see as the next transition immersion uh you know because the thing is everyone now can get everything in their home and, you know, everyone is going to argue and probably say that, well, home streaming is it. I'm like, well, we've been home streaming for years now. So it's not new. Yeah. You Netflix know, got it, shit on when they started to do that. And now right. they're the king. Exactly. And, and we've been doing it for years now. Uh, so that's not new. That's not the future. Uh, is that a component of the future? Yes. 
but I, I see that I, I, what I see is more of a rise on the independent side um, and the next class of filmmakers are going to come in and be the next paradigm shift because I, 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 I'm hopeful of it, but I also see it happening. And, you know, if, if the right stars align with, with investors and all that kind of stuff to start, you know, wanting to put their money in, into that, that next generation of filmmakers and help build them up, then I see, I see us going back to, you know, uh, kind of back to what I would consider post golden age right there in like the, the 50s, 60s, you know, where you saw these epic films like Lawrence of Arabia and Dirty Dozen and, you know, all these films, I think that's going to come back. I think people are going to, you know, are going to get tired of, 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 uh, you know, the superheroes, the, you know, the repeats, the reboots, you know, the, all that kind of stuff. You're going to see some new stuff come out. That's the future. And I'm, that's what we all want, but you know, we're also, Ah, we're just gonna make it happen because that's the stories that we have on standby right now, and we're ready to it's we're ready to change things because they have to change because the status quo that what we built for for years now is just not the same. So, streaming, yes, that's gonna be a thing. So, what do you do? You have to innovate and think outside the box to get people to have new experiences. You have to create experiences, but you can only do that successfully if you have stories that matter and stories that will stand the test of time, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know? Sure. Um, that you know still stand up today. My five-year-old son loves it. You know, and it's, it's great. You know, it's, but also you look at it, like to your point, this the superhero thing. How, how many how many remakes or reboots of Spider-Man do we have to have? I get the fucking story. I've got right. it. It's still shit. It's it was it was right. great the first time, but the fourth time, and there's a new face, and every time it's the same thing. I'm like, guys, right. guys, guys, guys. Batman and Nolan did it best, right? Yes. But. Yep. You know, it's like, you guys, we can't every decade reboot this film thing. It's, it's done. It's worn tread. Yep. Look, as, as the movie ends here, I have two more questions for you. And I, I greatly, you know, there's one thing I really do appreciate. And, and I say this to everyone now, you know, money's going to be made and lost. We're going to watch movies. It's going to happen. Uh, avocados are going to be good. They're going to go bad the second you try to cut them open. They're <laughs> pitchy little bitchy little sissies yep. I hate them. <laughs> but time's the one thing we never get back, right? Right, so right. I, I greatly appreciate the time. Um, two, two last questions. One, digging the COVID beard, how much bigger is that gonna, motherfucker gonna get? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm only going to, I'll just turn the thing. I mean, I, I, I've always had, a, I've had a beard for the past I know, I last time you didn't right. have that beard that thick. <laughs> not, not in the sides, the, the, the chops are. <laughs> the chops are on there, nice. Well, it's getting ready for one of our other films that we have. So I'll just say it deals with Vikings, but uh, so maybe I'm just getting ready for that. <laughs> nice. And then uh, two, uh, when all this shit ends, when everything's done, uh, where's the uh, where's the first place you want to go? Hmm. Uh, well, my partner and I have talked about Italy, but that's gonna. Be, ooh. Uh, <laughs> ooh. So probably Central America, honestly. Central America. Somewhere in Central America. Out of the, out of the country. Out of the goddamn country. No, out of the goddamn sure. country. Dallas. Yeah. This is. This has been awesome, man. I will have you on anytime you want to come on and talk over a movie. Uh, oh, absolutely. I loved it, man. It was great. Kidding me? And, it, yeah, and, and, you know, these conversations need to keep happening just because that's, that's the way you engage people, inspire people, right? You know, and 
that that's all we can hope to do is if, if one listener is inspired to do something new and different and innovative, then we've done our jobs. Exactly. 100%. 100%. Um, I'm looking forward to the movies coming out. I can't wait to hear more. Uh, this, um, I'll shoot you a link as soon as this goes live, which will be tomorrow morning. So this is Monday night Absolutely. at 10. I'll do some quick editing. I'll put some music on the front and the back and uh, we'll oh, rock yeah. and roll it. Uh, I will tag uh, 12, Fox 12 or 12 Fox? Yeah, 12 Fox beer. 12 Fox beer. I'm going to tag ben, them in this. Um, I'm also uh, down the road when you're ready. We'll, just, we'll stay in contact, obviously, but um, let me know about LA uh, so I can yep. engage Vanessa and her husband. Uh, Absolutely. So that you have uh, a good, you know, not that you don't already have a good ground person there, but you have another good ground person. No, there. it never hurts. The more the merrier. The more the merrier. Yeah. We'll make some magic happen in that way. And then um, if you ever, you know, if there's ever a, a, a film independent or otherwise that, you know, you, you love and you want to, you want to talk over and just have a conversation about never hesitate to reach out. Uh, we'll do it in a second, man. But thank you. For, well, yeah, thank you for your service, for your time. Uh, you know, this is taking away time from the family and the boys. So, uh, so I appreciate it. So it's much. important. It's important though. You know, well, thanks brother. Be good. I appreciate and, you too. Uh, thanks. We'll thanks talk soon, man. Thank you so much. Hi brother. You too. Bye-bye. Yep.